Uh, A friend of mine has just moved to a little village in Essex. Uh, I went to visit him last month and a few miles from his house I saw this signpost, secret nuclear bunker. Uh, Call me old-fashioned, but I think that's no way to keep a secret. That's a bit like uh, telling somebody what's in their present before they open it, if you ask me. Uh, This nuclear bunker is extraordinary. It's huge, designed and built in the 50s for up to 600 military and civilian personnel to organise the survival of the population in the awful aftermath of a nuclear war. Go to the site of the nuclear bunker and there's no way you'd know it was there. You see, it's underground. All you can see is a sort of grassy mound. It's brilliantly hidden and secret, except, of course, for the signpost. The birth of the Lord Jesus Christ is extraordinary. There's nothing about his life that is ordinary. And so important is it that we understand the point of the birth of Jesus, that God sent messengers to us to give us a clear understanding of what this event is about. And each messenger that came held up signposts for us. They, uh, they unwrapped the secret, not just of Christmas, but of life itself. One of those messengers appeared to Joseph. Listen again to his words and uh, his signpost to reveal the secret. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfil what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. There's the secret revealed. He will be called Emmanuel. That's the first signpost. Emmanuel means God with us. That's why our Christmas is such a joyful time. Earlier in the year, an atheist bus campaign paid big money to have this slogan slapped on buses. Did you see it? There's probably no God. Now stop worrying and enjoy your life. Having read The uh, the God Delusion by Richard Dawkins, I was quite surprised by the slogan. I was surprised by the the hesitancy of the, the slogan. Probably no God. Seems even the most ardent atheists don't have the conviction they used to have these days. Incidentally, I liked the alternative poster put up at a bus stop. There's probably no bus, so don't just stand there, start walking. Well, look, if you're unsure about the existence of God, Christmas leaves us in no doubt. Remember the signpost, Emmanuel, God with us. Christmas tells us that we can know that God exists because he came and walked among us, because he did the most extraordinary things among us. Jesus healed the sick. He made the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame to walk. Just by speaking a word to them, sometimes just by touching them. He controlled the weather. He even raised the dead. When I tell people about these miracles, they often say to me, ah, all these miracles, that's exactly why I can't believe. And it's usually then that I ask them, well, look, if God were to step into his world, what would you expect him to do? You see, if someone came into this room right now and announced, I'm God, I'd say to them, prove it. And if they couldn't do anything out of this world, I'd know they were fake. I wouldn't believe them at all. You see, the miracles of Jesus are exactly what we'd expect God to do if he were to step into his world. Indeed, wouldn't you really find it harder to believe that Jesus were God if he'd done nothing out of this world? The miracles are Jesus proving who he is. 
The miracles are exactly the reason to believe. See, on the one hand we say there's no evidence for God and then when he comes among us and does extraordinary things we say we can't believe the miracles. We can't have it both ways, can we? Look, Christmas is the greatest gift. It is Emmanuel, God with us. And you see the uniqueness of this Christmas event. Never before and never since has God come in this form. The great God who created everything became human. Down, down, down he came to planet Earth. It's hard for us to take it in, isn't it? Last Christmas I was given a a set of DVDs about the natural world. I love these DVDs. I watch them over and, and, and again. And I love the Natural World programmes on BBC. Have you seen David Attenborough's Life series? It is remarkable. The natural world is magnificent in its detail, in its its magnitude. It is astonishing. Sir James Jeans, the British astronomer, once said, the universe appears to have been designed by a pure mathematician. Take, for example, the tilt of the Earth at a 23-degree angle, which produces our seasons. Experts tell us that if the angle were were different, vapours from the oceans would move north and south and the earth would gradually be encased by an ice cap. It has to be at exactly 23 degrees to work. Listen to these figures. There are apparently 400 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy. Our sun is 150 trillion miles from the centre of our galaxy. And our galaxy is just one of a cluster of 30 galaxies. Altogether, it is estimated that there are over 100 billion galaxies and each galaxy has over 100 billion stars. It is mind-blowing, isn't it? The Bible says the Creator God has set all this in place. But this immense and awesome God is not just concerned with the huge things of life, he also created the small things. The molecules, the neutrons, the protons that make up planet Earth. He made the the 75,000 miles of blood vessels in your body that carry blood to over 60 trillion cells. As the Booper advert says, you're amazing. When God created the woodpecker, he made a little tiny sponge-like pad between the bill and the head so that when the woodpecker drills a hole, he doesn't knock himself out. Now, that may may not be very important to you, but let me tell you, it's very important to the woodpecker. (laughs) See, the creation is incredible. And Christmas tells us that the God who made all, all this became a baby. He grew up to be a man, and then he did extraordinary things to prove that he was Emmanuel, God with us. And so as we look at Jesus, and as we look at Jesus' life, we can say, There certainly is a God. Not even there probably is a God. It's the greatest gift. God doesn't send someone else. He comes himself. We've sung it in the carols. Lo, within a manger lies he who built the starry skies. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. We'll sing it in the final carol. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. So God has come among us. But it begs the question, whatever is God doing becoming a baby? Well, look at the second great signpost that the messenger holds up. The messenger said this to Joseph, Take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because... He will save his people from their sins. 
Now there's the second signpost. Jesus, God for us. If the first is Emmanuel, God with us, the second is Jesus, God for us. Call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. I was saved once. I was drowning. I was just a boy. I was splashing around in a swimming pool. It was a boiling hot summer's day and the place was packed. I was desperately thrashing around trying to get to the edge of the pool but I couldn't get there because of all the other swimmers that are in my way. And just as I started to go under I felt a hand lifting me up and dragging me out of the pool. It was a wonderful feeling. I can still remember it now. Being lifted up, being saved. That's what Christmas is all about. It's about God coming down to save us, not leaving us thrashing about on our own. And it's all because God is for us. He is for you. I don't know what your picture of God is like, but he's for you. It's amazing to think that God would do that for me, isn't it? See, because most of the time I don't treat him very well. Largely I ignore him. It's been a pretty bad year, hasn't it, with the global recession hitting us, job losses, the the banks refusing to lend money, the pay freeze, the the country in huge debt. Over 100 servicemen and women have lost their lives in Afghanistan fighting a war on terror. Uh, the news from Hope Copenhagen in this last week that we must, must cut greenhouse gases or the planet will be irreversibly damaged. Global recession, global terrorism, global warming. Between us, we've made a pretty rotten job of caring for God's world, don't you think? Now, look, it's been, it's been a tough year and any one of those things are enough to, to, to cause us great concern. But Christmas tells us there's an even greater problem that we all face. One day, you and I are going to have to face Almighty God. And that is not a prospect, a good prospect at all, because of the way we treated him. Uh, Before I became a vicar, I I used to work in the newspaper business. Uh, Like any other guy in his 20s, I had huge ambition. I wanted to climb the, the corporate ladder. The next rung on the ladder was my boss's job. I used to imagine having his job and his company BMW and his office. Oh, it was a huge office with huge kudos. From time to time, I imagined being the newspaper sales and promotions manager, occupying that office and and sitting in the magnificent swivel chair behind the boss's huge desk. I wanted his job, not that I'd ever told him that. He was a scary boss. But one day, at the end of the day, when everyone except the cleaners had gone home, I had to drop a report on his desk so that it was ready for him the next morning. And as I did so, I found myself with the opportunity to try out his office to give his chair a a test drive. And so I did. I sat down behind the desk and to be sure that I really felt the part, I picked up the phone to call a friend and as the phone rang, I put my feet up on the desk and leant back in the chair and at precisely the moment that my friend picked up the phone, the boss walked back in the office. Oh, I said, why aren't you at home? (laughs) On reflection, I realised I was in no position to be asking my boss that questions like that, even though I was sitting in his chair. And I think it was about then that I decided that I should become a vicar. Uh, Well, let me tell you, it was a horrible moment. Uh, Now, if that was bad for me, and it was, can you imagine how bad it will be that one day you discover there you are, bold as brass and large as life, sitting in God's place, on God's throne, when he walks in and you realise that all your life you've assumed his position. Can you imagine what the living God will think of us? You see, it's just not right. I am not the moral judge of the universe. I did not create the world. I am not God. And so to sit in his seat, to rule my own life my own way, that's sin. 
But what is so amazing about Christmas is that despite all that, God is still for us. Even though all our lives we push him to one side and live our lives our own way without him, he is still for us, he is for you. And he came to save his people from their sins. And the way he did that was remarkable. He came to die on a cross. How kind of God. Now, Just last week I heard one of the most moving news stories of the year. It's the story of bombardier Robert Key. Did you hear it? Robert Key was a, a British soldier in the Second World War. For more than 60 years he was believed to have died after falling around with a hand grenade. But French officials have re-examined accounts from witnesses and discovered that he was killed after intervening to save a boy who'd picked up the grenade. During a routine patrol through the town the day after Liberation Day, Bombardier Key spotted a group of children who'd crowded around a live grenade in a farmer's field. He rushed over, grabbed the grenade, cradled it in his jacket and as he dashed away from the group it exploded, killing him instantly. His death saved others. That is just a little picture of what Jesus did for you and me. As he died on the cross, he took the full force of God's punishment against us. The punishment we deserve for sitting in God's seat, for pushing God out. He took the explosion of God's anger so that we wouldn't have to when we come face to face with God. We don't deserve it, but that's the wonder of Christmas. It's a gift, the greatest gift. Isn't it remarkable? Jesus, God for us. He's for us even though most of the time we're not for him. And he didn't send someone else. He came himself. Now please note, he doesn't say try harder. That's not the message of Christmas. If trying harder was solved the problem of our sin, do you think he'd have sent Jesus to die for him, for us? He doesn't say be good because if being good was the answer, do you think he'd have sent his son to die? He doesn't say be religious because if being religious was the answer do you think he'd have sent his son to die? No, he says I'll die for you to deal with your sin. I'll pay for your rebellion against me. What love. How kind of God. God is for you. Oh, we'll sing it in the final carol. Peace on earth and mercy mild God and sinners reconciled. Mild he lays his glory by. Born, that man no more may die. See, here is why the Christmas message is such a joyful occasion. Through Jesus we can be put right with God and that is the greatest gift that anyone can ever have. Now look, we're almost there. We're galloping down the home straight. All I want to do now is to ask you how you might respond to this kind God who loves you so much. I love Christmas, everything about it. I love getting together with family and eating rich food and watching too much telly and I really enjoy getting presents. I'm the sort of person that wants to open my presents as soon as they arrive but I'm told I'm not allowed to do that and so I want to sneak down at Christmas night, go under the tree, see which ones are for me, squeeze them and feel them, especially the big ones. I really get excited about the presents and so it won't surprise you that I have never left a, a present that is for me under the Christmas tree, never. If someone else leaves a Christmas present under the tree that's for them and they leave it there, I'll open that one. Ladies and gentlemen, why don't you take the gift that God is offering? Forgiveness, a fresh start, being right with God, life beyond the grave. 
To those who've never taken the gift, God says, what is the matter with you? I've let my son die for you. I want to be friends with you. I want you to start again with me. So why don't you pick it up? The greatest gift. I've got to say I am truly mystified why you wouldn't want to be forgiven and have God as your friend and Jesus as your king. He's a wonderful king. I'm puzzled why anyone would wish to get to judgment day unforgiven and unprepared. It just seems like madness to me. And so I want to say to you, don't let another Christmas slip through your fingers without taking the gift. Now look, as I've been speaking, some of you will have felt that I've been speaking right to you, personally, almost as if you're the only one in the room. Well, let me tell you, that's not me speaking, that is God speaking to you. How should you respond to him? Well, on the way in, we gave you this little booklet. We'd love you to take that home and to read that. Uh, But uh, tucked inside the booklet, you'll find this little leaflet. It says, what next? And it tells you a couple of things you could do if you want to learn more about this God who is for you, who loves you. Uh, It says, come back. Come back in January. Come back to our Sunday services. All the details are there. You'll be very, very welcome. Join hundreds of us here who meet Sunday after Sunday to learn more about this God. We'll welcome you warmly. Uh, You could join the Christianity Explored course. The details are there as well. A seven-week course beginning on January the 26th. All the details are there. You could do both. Come on Sundays and join the Christianity Explored course. But that's a great New Year's resolution, isn't it? As you go into a new year, I'm going to find out about this God who loves me. Loves me enough to die for me. Who's for me. Who cares for me. Well, all that uh, remains is for me to wish you a very happy Christmas. Thank you so much for coming. It's been lovely to have you. And now as we uh, draw near to the end of our Carols by Candlelight service, we're going to listen to the choir singing The Truth From Above.
please do sit down.